all of you listening to this uh, podcast lesson, uh, my name is Chris, I'm Pastor Keith's intern, and uh, today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go there, and uh, I want to focus our attention on verses 4 through 9. It reads like this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Jumping right into it, verse 4, Paul calls these Christians to rejoice. Not just once, but on a continual basis. To make this a lifestyle of theirs, to, to continually rejoice in the Lord, constantly doing these things. This is an important concept to him. So much so that he gives them the imperative a second time. He doesn't just say rejoice in the Lord and moves on. He says rejoice in the Lord and again I will say rejoice. This is something that is of importance. And as we continue to go through this this paragraph, this line of thought, we'll see why rejoicing is important to Paul here. In rejoicing, he also tells them to be of good and gentle spirits, that they might be known by that. As they awaited the coming of the Lord, you can imagine how up in angst they were uh, and their desire to live loudly probably came to the forefront uh, as they awaited for Jesus to come and, and return. But Paul says to them that even though the Lord is near, they should remain gentle while they wait for it to occur. As Christians, our gentleness should be seen by all people. It should be expressed in every area of our lives. Looking on to verse 6, we're, uh, verse 6 and 7, very familiar passage. Uh, scripture uh, that, that many of us use uh, really speaks to how the Lord gives us peace in the midst of anxiety. Worry in one area of our life affects us in all other parts of our lives. In verse 6, Paul shares that there are alternatives to the anxiety and worry that we might have. Uh, and, and for many of us, this, this thing of anxiety is real. We all, in some way, have some sort of anxiety that we feel. Uh, but Paul here tells us that anxiety is something we don't have to live with. But in trusting God, he gives us peace uh, that, that can be the cure for our anxiety. God doesn't design us to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. He, doesn't, he didn't make us to worry about the things in the future that we have no control over. But as the Savior of the world, he wants to take the load off of us. As our personal Savior, he wants us to take things that weigh us down and put them on him. He wants us to hand him our burdens. And Paul says here in the beginning of verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Literally, he's saying don't worry. What Paul is suggesting to us is that we ought to spend no time worrying about a particular issue in our lives. Instead of worrying, we should be totally dependent on God's ability instead of looking to take care of everything on our own terms. By handing God our anxious thoughts, we have the ability to stop caring about things that bring us pain and worry. In our text, Paul's use of the word worry is, is kind of in a different sense than what he uses it when he uses it in Philippians 2, verse 20, where he references the caring spirit of Timothy, 
who worried in, in a more positive manner. He worried about the well-being of other people. What differs is that this use of worry is having an unwarranted anxiety about the future. We find out in Philippians 1 verse 28 that the church is facing persecution. And even knowing this, Paul still advises them to be anxious for nothing. Paul in this statement is echoing the words of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave in Matthew 5 and 6. And in Matthew 6 particularly, Jesus is giving a lesson on why we ought not worry. To those people he is speaking to, he tells them not to worry about the necessities of life, what you will eat, what you will drink, uh, the clothes that you will wear, the food you will eat. Jesus then alludes to the birds of the sky, saying that birds fly around in the air, and they come down to eat food that they didn't supply for themselves. They don't worry about where their food comes from. They just eat it. They don't cast any assistance in the production of the food they eat, yet they still receive it. Jesus is telling the crowd that you to him are like the birds in the sky. Stop worrying about the things that you need. Jesus is the supplier. He knows what you need. Your job is to be like the birds in the, fl- birds in the sky and, and not worry about these things. But continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes down in verse 30 of Matthew 6 to tell the crowd, just as he clothes the grass on the field, he will clothe you. Jesus tells us that the Gentiles spend time worrying about the basic necessities of life, not realizing that he knows exactly what they need. He ends this segment by telling the people not to worry about tomorrow, what tomorrow will bring, because what lies in, ahead in the future will take care of itself. So the question I have to you listening is, what brings you anxiety? What makes you fearful of the future? Is it a big decision you must make? The fear of health issues, the feeling that you don't matter to anyone, loneliness. Do you feel as if the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Today, I I want you to really focus in on what Paul is saying here, that we don't need to be anxious about these things. But we have a God who cares about the things that we care about. He, he wants us to pray to him and share with him our anxieties. When Paul says to be anxious for nothing, this is a call to trust God instead of relying on ourselves. Anxiety is sin, and sin that we really don't need to commit because our all-powerful God, that's what in us, wants us to take these cares and load them onto him. Anxiety causes inward suffering and unnecessary worry. Paul says, instead of worrying, be prayerful. As he continues on in verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Ronnie Floyd in his book, How to Pray, says that effective prayer occurs when you talk to God and listen to what God is saying to you. When we go to God in prayer, we share everything with Him. No matter what is going on in our lives, the Lord wants to hear it all when we pray. Prayer is a central central element of the believer's life. Anxiety and prayer are opposites. In being anxious, we are telling ourselves about the things that we think we need to fix. In prayer, we tell the Lord about what plagues us, what troubles us, and how we need Him to handle them. Paul says in everything, showing that there's no distinction of what we are to tell God and what we aren't to tell Him. We tell the Lord everything when we go to Him in prayer. There's nothing that we ought to hide from Him. He sees everything anyway. When we go to Him in prayer, tell Him everything that's on your mind, everything that bothers you. 
The point being made here is that God wants to hear from us on a continuous and frequent basis where we're telling him all the secrets of our hearts. Paul uses words in this verse that all go back to how our prayers become effective. When he talks about us bringing supplications with thanksgiving, he's saying that when we come to the Lord in prayer, we're not only telling him what's going wrong in our lives, but we're also remembering to praise him for the good things that are going on. Because no matter how much bad you can find in your lives, there's always something to thank the Lord for. We always have a reason to be thankful to the Lord. And no matter how much stress you're undergoing, how much worry that's in your heart, you always have a reason to thank God. Supplicating our prayers with thanksgiving is simply us recognizing that in the midst of concerns of the future, in the present, the Lord is doing great things, and we're blessed beyond measure. But on a practical note, have you ever recognized what happens to you when you stop complaining about things and, and you start to think of the good things? It uplifts your spirits. In your time of anxiety and worry, tell the Lord about the good things. As we sing around here a lot, count your blessings, name them by one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. That's When we go to the Lord in prayer, we should not only tell Him about the things that concern us, but tell Him about those things that He has done for us that we appreciate. It'll bring a lot of things into balance for us. John Piper asserts that Paul is teaching us that a Christ-dependent and Christ-exalting prayer will protect our lives from anxiety and the sinfulness that comes along with it. But Paul doesn't just say to pray and to pray with thanksgiving, but he says pray intentionally, making your requests made known to God. That's what he's getting at here in the end of verse 6, that there should be no separation from what we say to ourselves and what we say to God. We shall live our lives in accordance with the Lord's Spirit. I'm not telling you exactly what to pray, but I'm telling you how you ought to go about praying. Don't just pray for the sake of praying and getting it over with. But stay on your knees before the Lord until you get it all out. Share with Him everything that's there. It's interesting, when we're in crisis, the first person we pick up the phone to call is a friend. We'll be open with our friend about all the things that we're, we're dealing with, the anguish that's within us. But we don't approach God with the same energy and intentionality. Our ability to openly pray to the Lord is based off how we must trust Him and have faith in Him. Telling God everything is an, is an acknowledgement that we're turning to Him and we trust His plan because we know He can fix things that we have no ability to fix. Once we realize that we should not worry, we can then understand that God gives us peace through coming to Him in prayer. That's the truth of verse 7, that God gives peace to those who come to Him in prayer. Charles Spurgeon was once talking on the topic of peace, and he said that peace is divine in its origin, and it is also divine in its nourishment. It is a peace which the world cannot give, and it cannot contribute towards its maintenance. This nourishing peace is available to those who put their lives in the hands of Christ, and to those who pray and seek Him diligently in their lives. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that, God will uh, keep your mind in perfect peace as long as it is focused on Him. Paul shares with us that God's peace is authentic. The peace you get from God is one of a kind and cannot be duplicated. 
But moreover, Paul is saying that the only true source of peace there is in life comes only from God through the Spirit. This peace says that even though you don't know how your situation is going to pan out, you have this inward peace and understanding that God, that God will work it out for you, for your good. And even as you experience grief and, and suffering, you understand that the Lord has a purpose for you. And that brings about some type of peace that the world cannot understand, that the world cannot give. You can't find this type of peace from any other place. The peace of God is reassuring. The peace of God is truly one of a kind. It cannot be found anywhere else, and it cannot be recreated by anyone or anything. And what Paul is saying here is that the peace of God cannot be understood in a human sense. God's peace restores us to a level of calmness that no other person or solution can give to us. But also Paul is saying that the peace of God is sustaining. The peace of God is given to people who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ and believe in Him as Savior. There's no other way to receive this peace unless you wholeheartedly believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior. This peace is not available to the one who fails to put their trust in Christ. In the end of 2 Corinthians 11, Paul was on the watch list in Damascus. The army was put on alert to guard the city, and if Paul was found, he was to be seized. Paul was able to get away secretly without being found. But the highlight of this is the extensive measures the leadership of Damascus uh, tried to use to catch Paul. This is the meaning of the word guard in verse 7. It is a reference made in the Old and New Testament that a city would call for, uh, that the city would be guarded from outside attack. Soldiers would be deployed to keep watch over a certain land. Paul says that this is what God does for his children. He guards and stands over their heart and their mind. God has encompassed an army to watch over you and to ensure that you experience his peace. Please understand that the use of the word heart is not referring to our physical hearts, but the, the use of hearts in the Bible is always referring to the center of our emotions. That makes sense because he also lists our mind and our emotions and our mind work together. The secure peace of the Lord will guard your emotions and your thoughts and will provide for us the security that we need. And instead of dwelling on the negatives, Paul says in verse 8 to think of the things that are good. These things he mentions are more moral aspects of life, uh, but in these moral virtues we see how our relationship to Christ is connected. Paul implores them to take into account these things from their past that clearly show a conforming to the image and the likeness of Christ. Then lastly, in verse 9, Paul tells them to take the instruction that they have heard from him and put into practice in their own lives. These things which they have heard of him, these things that he has written them about, that point them to living a life that is conformed to the image of the Savior, he says, Take these instructions and apply them to your own lives. Make them your identity. Live by them. Live through them. And for those who go on to live a cruciform life, the God of peace will clothe them in his peace. Friends, we can only gain peace by abiding in him. Thinking about these things is not enough, but living them out is a goal. And we can only live these things out if we bow a knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And in the way we live, uh, in the way we conduct ourselves, and in the way we think, we should always look to Christ. We should rejoice in all things we face, but when we face anxiety, we need to realize that we need to hand them over to Christ. 
Instead of dwelling on the bad things, focus on the good. See the good things. See the progress you've made in life. See how you've been uh, living out or attempting to live out sanctification and trying to grow in the likeness of Christ. Paul reminds us in this paragraph to think of better things and not worry about things we can't change. So that's what we ought to take away from this lesson is that we ought to think about the things in which Christ um, has changed in our lives, the things that, 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 that mold us to the image of Christ. But focusing on things that are out of our control, it's pointless. So as we go forward, we should have joy, uh, joy in the Lord and joy in who he is and rest in that. Abiding in Christ is essential to the Christian life. And as we uh, conclude this lesson, let's let's always remember that abiding in Christ is necessary for a fruitful life. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the ability to cast our cares on you. We know that you care for them. And as we live this life, this Christian life that, that brings us many things to the forefront of minds that, that bother us, help us, Lord, to focus on you. Help us to live for you and help us to live in a way where we're always bringing our concerns to you. And in the midst of bringing our concerns to you, let us never forget the great things you've done. Let us focus on those things. Let us focus on the noble things and take into account how we've grown in you. And help us to continue to grow in you. Help us to live out these things, these principles that you've given to us. Thank you for your time and your word. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.